Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting from that very, very holy place, Brooklyn, New York. That's right. I'm in the Hebron office in Brooklyn, New York, which means I am not in the actual Holy Land. I am in the uh, Galut. I am in the Diaspora, but I'm also in Babylon, right? This is uh, Brooklyn, which is also pronounced Babylon. And this is the, um, it's not the other Eretz Israel, but, but in a way it, it is. It's, the, it's not the land of Israel by any measure, but it is where the Jews uh, came out and have, uh, God has put them here en masse. And that's, um, that's a special place unto itself. And just today I walked into uh, a big bookstore here and I saw the incredible knowledge that has been created by many, many books in English including the fabulous translations that the Art Scroll people have put out. And recently I just saw a brand new book that I've never seen before, and that is the book of um, the Orachaim, that the Art Scroll has translated Orachaim HaKadosh and annotated it on the Torah portion. And that was immediately something that I thought to myself, wow, that, that would be um, a beautiful set to procure. But uh, alas, my, my luggage sh- will not be able to handle uh, it uh, a uh, that's those books are heavy and b I'm like Abraham laden with many gifts from Egypt uh, or from Babylon in this case or from Brooklyn in this case uh, there's lots of stuff here to bring to the Holy Land and to help uh, I, I've I have helped some materialism make Aliyah on this trip and I'm very thankful for it and before we go on to our amazing Torah portion uh, a few a few words first thing is that today will not be a full-length show because I am just exhausted. That's the fact. That's the actual truth. I am just exhausted on the road here uh, in America, and I've had a chance to meet with a lot of uh, good friends of the show, with my good friend Andy, uh, with my good friend uh, Jack, and and others. And um, I've also been at of uh, different functions that happen here. Uh, while I was here, I was at the ZOA dinner. I was at the uh, One Israel Fund dinner, and I was also at an AZM, the American Zionist Movement, a conference on anti-Semitism and campus anti-Semitism. So with all that, the fact that, and, and coupled with the fact that I have not been sleeping well, and coupled with the fact that I left Saturday night after Chaye Sarah, where 40,000 people converged on Hebron and Kirat Arba, where I work, and... Had a lot to do with that Shabbat, and so altogether came into the plane very tired, and that means that you just don't have the same strength to overcome jet lag. So I've been having jet lag on this trip, and that I have to fly tomorrow, and probably when you'll be hearing the show, I'll already be in beautiful Toronto, okay? Haven't been to Toronto in a very long time, and uh, am looking forward to uh, going to Toronto and uh, have some fabulous gigs there, and I hope you join me. Uh, but I haven't been there in, in, in quite a long time. So uh, for all of the aforementioned reasons, we will not have a full-length show today, to my dismay. Uh, and of course, we miss Rabbi Mike Foyer very much. So that was uh, issue number one. Issue number two is that today's show is dedicated to a very special couple uh, out of North Carolina, very good friends of mine, uh, who have a tremendous passion in their heart for uh, rebuilding and reconstituting. Jewish Hebron and honoring the forefathers and mothers, uh, which I think is a plain old mitzvah of kibbud av v'em. 
So um, today's show is dedicated to them, as you can guess. They uh, would prefer to uh, stay anonymous, and we'll honor that preference. But that being said, uh, they know who they are, and we are very thankful for their uh, support, their contribution, their, their part in the story. And, and I'm, I'm, I just want to say, you know, you're, you're really in my heart. So thank you so much, and especially when we come to Broadcasting Torah which I think is uh, so much, so appropriate right now. And uh, as I said before, before uh, that, that I met with my friend Andy and we met over lunch, and Andy said to me that he had been at some Jewish functions this week as well, at APAC and FIDF, but he said that he went to the <clears throat> Kinus HaShluchim, the gathering of the Chabad emissaries here in New York once a year, and he said that this really fused to him, it, it put it all together. Um, spirituality that made sense out of politics, nationalism, Zionism, all that, but it really is about God's God's word and God's great vision. And um, you know, for me, as I raise money and and raise awareness for Hebron, when I see somebody who, when I say to them, you know, when I talk godly talk and it and it and it lights a spark in their eye, then I know that I'm I'm talking to a person who has God consciousness. And sometimes you don't you don't have that conversation, and you're actually bringing God consciousness to a person, and and that's a great mitzvah as well. But there is nothing like talking with somebody who has Torah and and God consciousness in their heart. Uh, and may we be filled with uh, Torah and God consciousness, and may we also uh, be able to imbue it to our children so that they could grow up with that with that with that with those feelings with that with that. Uh, I'm looking for a synonym for consciousness again. I promise you, I'm very, very tired. But the show must go on because the show is basically the message, right? The message, uh, and that's just what we're talking about right now. I don't want to, I don't want to overstate the case. We know what we're talking about. We're talking about God's holy word. Um, so those were the two um, prefaces, and this is a fascinating Torah portion. And you know, oftentimes I say. This is one of my favorite Torah portions, or this is one of my favorite verses or something. So in this week's Torah portion, it's not, it's not necessarily my favorite Torah portion, uh, nor does it have, uh, it does have a, one of a, 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 a beloved verse, but it really has a, a beloved character, which I alluded to uh, last week, I believe, and that is the character of Rivka, Rivka, not oftentimes considered a great and important character by people. You know, we all know about Sarah, and we know about Rachel. Um, but do we talk about Rebecca? Do we talk about Rebecca? And I hope to discuss Rebecca with you. If you recall, last week, when we met Rebecca, we met that she was asked, will you go with this strange man? After she had... Uh, uh, um, drawn water for his camels and been the miraculous girl who basically when the servant made a kind of a request of God of, of how to meet this girl, uh, she is the one who appeared. So at first step, like somebody prays for her and there she is. And the second thing is that she's kind and, 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 and very quick. It says that she was quick about uh, drawing that water. And the next thing we meet is that it says uh, it says about her, uh, that when she was asked, will you go with a strange man to a completely different life? She has one answer, one word. She says, I shall go. But in Hebrew, it's elech. One word, I'm going. So 
that is Rebecca in last week's Torah portion. Oh, and then when she finally sees Yitzchak from a distance, what does she do? She um, prays off the camel or falls off the camel. She covers herself up. She's brought into the tent of Sarah. She immediately fills the role. The measure says that the that you know the 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 um, the dough was blessed again. There was a cloud that tied itself to the top of their tents uh, when Rebecca came in. So this Rebecca, she is what can I tell you? She's like she's like something that's missing, and then she just there she is. She's 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 right right there, and and, and there's something about her which is. Uh, extremely sure-footed and we're going to see that in this week's Torah portion as well and that is the Torah portion of uh, Toldot and it is Genesis chapter 25 and it starts at verse 19 and these are the generations of Isaac the son of Abraham Abraham begot Isaac um, and and uh, basically him and his beloved wife Rebecca uh, she does have one thing she's not quick about and that is that she was barren. She was barren. And then it says that the Lord, that they both prayed, um, but but God received uh, his prayer, and not because she's any less of a person, but because uh, Rashi tells us that there's a difference between a righteous person, son of a righteous person, and a righteous person, the son of a non-righteous person. And I have seen that. When you see people who are part of dynasties, or part of great families, and, and they themselves are going in that pathway, you could just see that they have something which is beyond um, just knowledge or, or self-attained things. They have something, they have merits of their forefathers, but they also have a certain knowledge that has, that has trickled down to them through the ages, and they continue in a, an amazing path. But the kids inside of, uh, of uh, Rebecca... Rivka are uh, struggling within her. And then it says like this. Here's an exact example of Rebecca and and who she is. It says, says, and the children struggled within her. And she said, if this is so, why am I like this? Like, why is this? Why is this for me? And then she's just like, she has a question. And immediately the next verse, verse, the next part of the verse says, and she went to inquire of the Lord. Meaning to say, and the word lidrush, I think we talked about it with Rabbi Mike one time, it's, it's, partially it's to inquire, and partially it's to demand, and partially it's to study, but the point is, is that she was not just going to sit back. Something was challenging her, and she went immediately to confront the issue head on. And Rashi tells us that basically these two uh, children within her womb would react differently when they would walk past the house of Torah study. One would try to reach out and and and, and struggle towards it, and when they would walk towards idol worship, uh, the other one would, would struggle towards it. So, <clears throat> the 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 epic battle, the epic battle between these two forces, and this is we are now getting we are now becoming privy. To we've had these epic battles of forces outside of the Jewish story, like there's Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, Stom and Amorah, and we've had also the you know Adam and Adam and Eve, and they sinned. We had uh, Noah and the destruction of the world, but now 
that huge cosmos, that huge struggle for for good energy versus dark energy, for, 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 for proper behavior, that's all going to be encapsulated somehow within the womb of Rebecca. And there's going to be opposite poles, these two brothers that are going to be born to her. And these two poles are going to have a titanic struggle in the next, this portor portion and two more. The next one and afterwards, but really, really, the next one's uh, kind of uh, no. We'll 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 see the next two tour portions. There's the, there's a giant struggle between Yaakov and Esav. Um. And and the answer from God when she goes to demand it is, two nations are in your womb, and two kingdoms will separate from your innards, and one kingdom will become mightier than the other kingdom, and the elder will serve the younger. It's like some kind of like riddle-laden uh, answer, but that and within that riddle is also um, uh, a lot of clues, right? The riddle itself is filled with clues about what what the future is going to look like. God doesn't reveal to us the whole future, but there is there is in these words uh, truths, which is um, uh, there's going to be one kingdom that is going to be greater, and the big will serve the younger. And, and there's going to be this tension. They're going to separate. They're going to separate from you. Uh, and they are really, indeed, uh, they're, they're not one and the same. They're, re- they're really going to struggle with each other. As they're struggling in the womb, they're going to struggle forever, basically. And when it says they will not be, uh, will, will, they will become one... Uh, will become mightier than the other kingdom, Rashi says to us, they will not be equal in greatness. When one rises, the other will fall. And so scripture states, I shall become full from the destroyed city. Tyre became full only from the destruction of Jerusalem. And Tyre here, it could also be understood as Rome, which is basically that there is the tension between Rome and Jerusalem. And when one is up, the other one is, is down. And there's a famous Talmud like that, which is like if somebody tells you that both Rome and Jerusalem are standing at the same time, that's an impossibility. Okay, in their full glory. In their full glory. And, and remember, friends, that the Colosseum was indeed created, built from the money stolen, looted from the destroyed Second Temple. Okay, there's a tension between the Colosseum and the uh, uh, Second Temple that was destroyed by the Romans, and then with that money they, they built the Colosseum. I always thought that it's an incredible gift that we actually know for a fact that the, that the Colosseum, which is the antithesis to the Temple. And uh, here, uh, my little you know commentary on professional sports comes into play, but we're not going to go there today. Um, and in any case, there's this uh, incredible global tension that's going to arise, and understand that the Rome and Jerusalem are at odds with one another. Um, anyway, and her days to give birth were completed. Behold, there were twins in her womb. Okay, there were twins in her womb. And the first one emerged ruddy. He was completely like a coat of hair. They named him Esau. Okay, so he was really uh, uh, very hairy. And says Rashi, they called him this because he was completely made. And fully developed with hair. 
like one many years old, meaning to say he, he emerged uh, fully kind of created. And this is what Rabbi Mike always talks about, which is Esav is already like a done deal. And he comes into this world not to fix it and not to fix himself, but really to enjoy it and to, and to get pleasure from it, to, 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 to entrap it oftentimes. Uh, but Jacob is always in development. He's in development. His character is going to develop. His, his name is going to develop. Um, and he's going to be, we're going to see him um, kind of change. And, 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 and right before our eyes, the text will teach us the various uh, metamorphosi, uh, iteration, iterations, if you will. Uh, but not Esav. Esav is the way he is. And there's something about that which is stilted. Something about that which is which is unyielding, unchanging, ungrowing, and um, at the same time, there's some incredible power to that, right? Like like this guy knows what he wants to do. He knows who he is. He's got he's put together, right? Because he's already created, and the rest of us are kind of struggling along, growing maybe. Uh, so there's a tension there. Afterwards, his, bro- his brother, the Torah tells us, emerged and his hand was grasping Esau's, Esau's heel. And he, was named, and he named him Jacob. And some people say that he named him as God named him. And uh, there's the imagery of somebody holding on to somebody's heel. And Rashi's going to say that, 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 really, uh, that Jacob was created from the first drop, while Esau was created from the second drop of, of seed. And therefore, Jacob understood himself to be first, but you, but, but whatever you know, in a womb or in a tight kind of confined zone. So the second is going to come out first, and the first is going to come out second. And he felt himself to have the right to have the birthright. But he uh, emerged grasping and coveting that birthright, you know, and and always being at the heel. And there's this. We'll see later that that. Somebody is nipping at the heel of the other, but uh, we'll 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 see that Yaakov really nips at the heel three times altogether, if you count this one. Um, let's go on. Uh, when the youths grew up, Esau was a man who understood hunting, a man of the field. Now, this word "field" is a good word, sadeh. We've learned that that that. Uh, Isaac prays in the field. We learned that at the end of last week's Torah portion. But Jacob is an innocent man or a whole man. He is or a perfect man dwelling in tents. And, um, y- you know, you kind of get a sense that maybe he's a kind of, maybe a kind of mama's boy or, um, or, or not the man of the field that is Esau. He is more of a studious type, s- he is not, you know, one of the things about Esau, it says that he knows how to hunt. Now, hunting is a game in large measure of deception and a game of violence and a game of subtlety, of, of, of sneaking up to your um, intended prey and entrapping and, in the end, killing. The word, the word side, which is, which is hunt, is uh, understood that in a negative sense by Rashi that, that he knows how to deceive his father with his mouth uh, and, and then also knows how to kind of hunt um, 
you know, women and entrap them. All kinds of stuff like that. Makes he he is a sneaky character and snaky. See, there's something snaky about him in that field. So he's not as it's not the good field. It's the it's the snaky that's within the field. But Jacob is whole, and he sits in tents. He sits in tents. This is this is a bit mysterious. What does that mean that he sits in tents? You know, um, Rashi says in the tent of Shem and Ever. Meaning to say, he learned Torah. Learn Torah from the original Torah teachers. And then it says, uh, a most uh, consternating verse, it says that, and Isaac loved Esau, he loved Esau, because his because game was in his mouth. But Rebekah loved Jacob, Rebekah loves, this, the translation here is not right, it's, it, it's in the present tense, but Rebekah loves Jacob, because that love is an eternal love. And Rebekah, who will a little bit disappear um, down the line. We basically learn that she's got an eternal love for Jacob. And that makes her and her love eternal to the Jewish people. Uh, all right, so so what was the first story that we learned, really? We really learned that Jacob was holding on to the heel of, of Esau. And we learned that their, their personalities became very different. Um, but now is our first interaction between the two. Now Jacob cooked a pottage. I don't know what the word pottage really means, but I know he, he made lentils. And Asaph came from the field and he was very tired, or maybe faint. And Jacob says to, Esau says to Yaakov, Pour into me some of this red, red, this red, red soup, because I am faint. I'm tired, right? The word—it's not really tired. Ayef in this case means like I'm, I'm. The word faint is more proper translation. I'm passing out. And then the Torah says this is why he was called red, because he wanted the red soup, and that's and that's that's basically his name. His name is if he had a bar, it would be called Reds, because. Uh, uh, he, he liked this red soup, but it's interesting to me, it's like Jacob is sly because he knows that this redness is attractive to, to Esau. So Jacob immediately basically wants to extract a price, and he says, sell me your birthright as this day. Right? Sell it to me. Uh, and Rashi says, like this day, just like this day is clear, so sell it to me with a clear sale. And, and uh, sell me this, this ephemeral thing called a birthright, like I want to be called number one. Well, you know, maybe I could say to him, maybe I would say back to Jacob, uh, you can't sell a birthright. I'm, I cannot change the fact that I was born first. But that is not what Aesop says. He says, listen, he says, here I am about to die. Why do I need the, the birthright for I don't need the birthright. I don't need this thing because I am hungry now. And that's the thing that we're going to see about Esau. And we'll see it in, in, you know, in three books from now. We're going to see it in the book of, um, of, um, of in the desert, in the, the book of Numbers, that, 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 that Bilam is like this at all. He is like this as well. He wants, he wants things now. Why do I need this, this, this birthright? Because I'm already created. That's something down the line. I don't need something down the line. I need something in my created state right now. 
That's an interesting distinction between people who need something now and people who can invest and see the future and see the light in the future. So Jacob says to me, you have to, you have to swear to me as this day that you're going to sell me your uh, birthright. And, and he does. And Jacob gave Esau, Esau bread and, and the soup of lentils and he ate and drank and arose and left. And Esau despised the birthright, or rejected the birthright. And there's a negative word here, ve'yivez, from the word bizayon, which is a shameful uh, a, a term that, that Esau rejected. He threw it away. He, 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 he acted with it dishonorably, disgracefully. He, he, he threw it off himself. Now, I'm not going to go too far into the... Uh, other part of the story, which is, which is that there's another tale here with with Avimelech and Yitzchak going down to Grar, and then the reassertion of Beersheva as a Jewish city. In the end, I don't want to go there too much. Only to say that there are two places in this week's Torah portion where where it says it says that that basically basically Rashi talks about that Yitzchak did not do something because he was too holy for that. One of the things was is that, is that his wife was barren for 20 years, and yet he did not, like his father Avraham, he did not take a concubine or a, or a servant or a girl or anything like that or marry a different woman. And, and Rashi says he was just too holy for that because he was sanctified on the Temple Mount as a perfect offering. Excuse me, a perfect offering. Uh, so there was no way to... For him to, he, he he had his wife, and this was going to be his pathway, and he was not going to sully himself in any way. Um, he was going to stay purer than than average, like uh, you know, like Kohanim today do not marry divorcees. And I'm not in any way suggesting that there's like an impurity about it, but what I am suggesting is that there's a there's a higher level status, and and that higher level status is. Uh, the Kohanim keep to this very day. You you know that Kohanim do not marry uh, divorced women. There's like a there's a higher level of of um, I can't I can't overly get into and, into this now, and I can't explain it you know perfectly because of the <laughs> aforementioned tiredness. But but indeed, uh, you understand what I'm saying, which is that um, there's a, a kind of more wholesome and pure path that certain people are called upon to do, and most of us are not. And Yitzchak is is called upon to not marry another woman and to and to and to just stay true to this one wife and to figure it out with her, which indeed indeed he does. And the other thing is that when there's a famine in the land, there's an opportunity to leave the land of Israel, go down to Egypt. God says to him, "Do not go down to the land of Egypt. Do not go down to the land of Egypt." The Lord appeared to him and said, "Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land that I will tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you." For to you and your seed will I give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. And I will multiply your seed like the stars of the heaven, and I will give your seed all these lands, and all the nations of the earth will bless themselves by your seed. Because Abraham hearkened to my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my instructions. And this is understood that, that, um, that Abraham kept the Torah, even though the Torah had not been totally revealed in this world yet, but he knew 
much of it, and he kept it. But you, Isaac, I don't want you to leave the land of Israel. And Rashi says, uh, you're, you're too pure. You're, you're, a, you're a perfect offering. You're a, uh, a whole offering. And I, I just don't want you to sell yourself by going down to Brooklyn. I mean, oh, by going to, to Egypt. I'm in Brooklyn. <laughs> and most of us. And I do know people who have never left the land of Israel. And I think that those people have a, a true holiness about them. I go shopping in Costco and Best Buy, but that's just me. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, Indeed, it says that Isaac has a great verse. This is that verse that I was alluding to. And the man became great, and he grew constantly greater until he had grown very, very great. Just one very great. Not two very greats. And uh, I'm skipping the, the story about Avimelech just because it's its own uh, kind of subplot. But I do not want to touch that today. But suffice it to say that, that when the Avimelech story was finished, and Avimelech is a Philistine, once again, the city of Beersheba is re-anointed, um, shall we say. Or re... No, anointed is not the right word. Re established as the city called Beersheba, or the place called Beersheba, which is a Jewish place. And it's sometimes because of seven, in Abraham's case, it was because of seven sheep that he put by himself, and that was Sheva, so it's Beersheba. But here it was the, the issue of Shvua. And he went uh, from there to Beersheba. Uh, Shvua means oath. So he came up there from Beersheba. And here's another appearance to this this super wholesome, super almost quiet Isaac. And it says, And the Lord appeared to him on that night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your seed for the sake of Abraham my servant. So we we get this feeling that Isaac is in many ways a bridge of Abrahamic values to the next generation. Oftentimes it's like Isaac is really the carrier of, of the... Abrahamic promises. While Jacob's going to be a kind of a little bit more his own person, the reference is oftentimes in Isaac's life back to Abraham. And as I was telling you, that happened in the beautiful and important town of Beersheba, one of the seven holy cities, according to Yishai's count of the seven holy cities of the land of Israel. Esav is going to start uh, marrying bad ladies. And it says they were a vexation of the spirit to Isaac and Rebekah. So he's going down a different path altogether. And now let's get to the end of the, the, this Torah portion. And that is, we learned about the beginning of the Torah portion is that there's these two struggling lads. We learned about the first hanging on to the heel or being nipping at the heel. And that is the birth. And the second nipping at the heel was the capturing of... You know, I just I just thought entered my, my head, which is the, the second story is the story of the soup, the red soup. If you think about it, there's something quite uh, spectacular in, in Jacob's uh, trickery. He didn't really trick him, but he used his weaknesses against them. Isn't this very similar to what the snake did to Eve? He knew what would attract her, and he kind of uh, showed it to her and pushed it in front of her. And she kind of fell for it. So Jacob uses a trick that, that of the, the snake in Garden of Eden 
you know, pushed the woman into, into taking of this fruit and, and harnessed her weakness and her attraction to something. And, and Jacob is using it for uh, a different purpose altogether. Let's go to story number three, which is that Isaac was old and his eyes were dim to see. And why is he blinded? Uh, there, there are different reasons. The Rashi says uh, because of the smoke of these wives of Esav, who would burn incest to, incense to the idols. And another explanation is that uh, when Isaac was, was bound on the altar, his father was about to slaughter him, the heavens opened, and the ministering angels saw and wept, and their tears fell into Isaac's eyes. As a result, his, his eyes became dim. Okay, two very different uh, things. And there's a third explanation, which is, uh, the reason his eyes became blind is so that Jacob would receive the blessings. In any case, uh, the, the fascinating story about the uh, receiving the blessings of the firstborn come about come to pass here, which is it came to pass, as I said, that uh, Isaac's eyes became too old to see. He 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 was too dim to see. He he, he became blind. He called Esav his elder son, and he said to him, "My son." And he said to him, here I am, famously using the word, Hineni, here I am. And he said, behold, I have grown old. I do not know the, the day of my death. So now sharpen your implements, your sword. And it doesn't really say sword. It says your hanging thing. And that is a reference to the sword. The swords hang from the side. So take your sword, your bow, and go forth to the field and hunt game for me. Okay. And make me uh, delicious foods as I like, and bring them to me, and I will eat, in order that my soul will bless you before I die. Help me come into a, 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 the proper spiritual, mental place, so I can bless you. With, with you know, let, let me eat deliciousness. And there's a lot of Kabbalah behind these phrases. Why would he need you know delicious food in order to bless him? But let's just keep it on the simple level, which is like, let my physical body be at, at peace and, and in a pleasurable state of mind so that I can be in joy and then, and then the blessings can be channeled. But Rebecca overheard. <laughs> Rebecca overheard when Isaac spoke to Esav, his son. And Esav went to the field to hunt game to bring it. It says, oh, by the way, it does not say that she heard. It says she hears. Rivka shoma'at. In the present tense, she hears. Remember, it says that Rivka loves Yaakov, and in order to love him in present tense, she has to hear what's going on. So she's out there listening, and she says to she turns to her son Jacob, and she says, "Behold, I have heard your father speaking to Esau, your brother, saying, "Bring me the game and make me tasty food, and I will eat it, and I will bless you before uh, the Lord before my death." She adds this thing before the Lord. And uh, she gives commentary to what's really going on here, which is this, these blessings have a power of being before the Lord. And now, my son, hearken to my voice, says Rebecca to Jacob, to what I'm commanding you. That's a whole lot of ink spilled to say, do what I say. Go now to the flock and take me from there two choice kids, and I'll make them, tasty I'll make them delicious foods for your father as he likes. And he shall, and you shall bring them to your father that he may eat, in order that you, that he bless you before his death. Okay, so pull up, pull the old switcheroo. And Jacob says to Rebekah, his mother, "Behold, my brother Esav is a hairy man, 
well, I am a smooth man. And let's also say it in a different way, which is my brother, he's the, he's the real trickster. He's really the one who uses these kind of entrapment or no traps or, or, or reverse psychologies and fake outs and, 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 and camouflage and masquerading. I'm a smooth man. I don't, I don't engage in that kind of stuff. That's, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't play that game. Or in the simple meaning, uh, uh, you know, my, my brother's hairy and I'm smooth. And then next verse says, perhaps, next verse says, perhaps my father will touch me and I will appear to him as a deceiver and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. Okay, notice the interchange, the interplay here between curse and blessing. Like I'm going to be, it's going to reverse on me. And his mother said to him, on me is your curse, my son. Only hearken to my voice and go, take them for me. So she's, she's not saying there might be no curse, but she says, I'll take it. Hearken to my voice. Do what I, do, do, you know, bring me, bring me the kid goats. So he went and took and brought them to his mother, and his mother made tasty foods as his father liked. And Rebekah took the, the important garments of, of Esau, and this is explained that these are... Uh, Garments that are special garments that that the uh, wicked king Nimrod had for hunting, they would they would turn into camouflage and, and help you uh, ensnare your 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 prey. But in simple terms, she puts on Esau's Esau's uh, clothing, which are is both hairy and smelly, like uh, like Esau smells. So Esau too made uh, tasty foods. And he brought him to his father and he said, let my father arise and eat of the game of his son so that your soul will bless me. And, and his father Isaac said to him, who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Asaph. And Isaac shuddered a great shudder and he said, who, who then is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate of everything while you had not yet come and I blessed him. He too shall be blessed. And this is very important because... Um, there's, it's very. You wouldn't expect that last line. I ate. It says Rashi. I ate of everything. Any flavors I wished to taste, I tasted it. And then it said, "He too shall be blessed." That you should not say that Jacob had not had uh, that had Jacob not deceived his father, he would have not received the blessings. Therefore, he concurred and blessed him intentionally. And it says here specifically that that even though I realize now that he tricked me. He shall be blessed. And I, I mean, if you want me to say it in a kind of secular psychology, maybe one of the reasons is that, is that, uh, is that Isaac respected the abilities of Esau to be, of Esau to be a kind of hunter and trickster and, uh, and a person who's cunning uh, to get what he needs to get in this world, and now he realizes that Jacob's got that ability as well—that he's got the—he's got the voice of Jacob, but the hands of 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 Esau, and he blessed him. And this is a scary verse. I really think this is a scary verse coming up. And it says, "When Esau heard his father's words, he cried out a great and bitter cry." I think that in the in the Hebrew, it's more powerful. Veitzak seaka gedola umara ad meod. It was a very big cry, and it was 
exceedingly bitter. And if you listen carefully, you can sometimes hear it. To me, that is the cry of anti-Semitism. There is something, uh, there's an anger, a deep-seated anger there. And uh, our sages tell us that the word Sinai, where the Torah was given, also means sinah, hatred came into this world in a jealousy. And uh, I fear that this verse uh, depicts that inner inner jealousy, that, 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 that primordial scream of Esav, who is so angry. And he said, Isaac ostensibly says, your brother came with cunning and took your blessing. But maybe he's, and, and Rashi says immediately, with cunning, with cleverness. And that's the Targum, which is like, there's, there, there's an element of cleverness in all this. It's a little, uh, it may be a little, um, you know, morally challenging, but, but there's a cleverness to it. And he said, I, uh, I, uh, Asaph says, it is for this reason that he was named Jacob, for he has deceived me twice. He took my birthright, and behold, now he has taken my blessing. And this is very important because he just revealed to, to Isaac inadvertently that he didn't, that Asaph did not deserve the blessing of the firstborn, and that he bought it fair and square. And that was a piece of fact that maybe earlier was not known. And he said, Asaph does, and he continues, have you not reserved the blessing for me? Don't you have a blessing for me, Dad, that I love so much? And Isaac answered and said to Asaph, Behold, I have made him a master over you, and I gave him all his brothers as servants, and I have sustained him with corn and wine. So for you then, what shall I do, my son? And Asaph said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Asaph raised his voice and wept. And now to see this, you know, not only is he a grown man, but kind of a scary, treacherous, and uh, powerful man, and he's weeping because his father can't bless him. I wish we would weep like that today if we felt that we weren't getting our father's blessing. Sometimes we don't care about that anymore. But, but Esav was smarter than that. And in Hebron, we know that, that Esav, his head was buried in Maratha Machpelah because of his uh, amazing love for his father. So do you have only one uh, blessing? Is that, is that, are you a one-trick pony? Do you have only one blessing? And his father Isaac answered him, and he said, Behold, your dwelling place shall be in the fat places of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above. And you shall live by the sword, and you shall serve your brother. And it will be when you grieve that you will break his yoke off your neck. But um, what this has come to be understood is that, and Rashi says it here, um, when the Israelites will transgress the Torah, you will have cause to grieve about the blessings that he took, and therefore you will break his yoke, and you will kind of get the blessings. It's when, when the Jewish people don't, in, in simple terms, when Jewish people don't behave properly, don't behave as Jews, as the way they're supposed to, well, then they don't deserve the blessing that they got there that Jacob received. It's only if Jacob indeed behaves like the firstborn, and therefore, you know, this whole trickery was, was an honest trickery, and it was, and it was for the right purpose, and, and it was within rights. But if, if Am Yisrael is not doing what it's intended to do, then there's no difference between us and, and Esav, and therefore we just stole somebody else's blessing, and therefore Esav takes the reins. And that's powerful stuff.
And Esav, verse 41, And Esav hated Jacob because of the blessing that his father had blessed him. And Esav said to himself, Let the days of mourning for my father draw near, and I will kill my brother Jacob. And so we just, with all of the love that Esau, Esav has for Isaac, he can't wait till he's dead so that he can do whatever he wants, and in this case, kill his brother Jacob. And Rebekah was told of the words of Esav, her elder son. And this, this is a proof in Rashi. She says it, that she was a prophetess. She heard what he said. The Torah just said to you, he said something in his heart. But she heard it. That's kind of scary also, right? Like, he, the Torah says specifically, he said it in his heart. He said it to himself. And the next verse says, and she was told the words of Esau. Her eldest son. You need to say he's still her son. And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son. And she said to him, Behold, your brother Esau resents you, regrets his relationship to you, and wishes to kill you. And now, my son, hearken to my voice. Arise and flee to my brother Laban to Haran. Like, how does she know? But she knows. You got to get up and you got to get out of here. And I know exactly where you got to go. And you shall dwell with him for a few days until your brother's wrath has subsided, until your brother's rage subsides from you, and he forgets what you did to him. And I will send you and bring you from there. I will send for you and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of both of you on one day? And she prophesied there that really they would be buried on the same day, which indeed they were. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am disgusted with my life because of the daughters of the Hittites. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of the Hittites like these, from the daughters of the land, what use is life to me? Again, super intense and super clarity. I have my life is dependent on, on, on Jacob marrying correctly. What, is, what kind of phrase is that? And the Torah records this like, you know, what, why do I need life? And again, this is Rebecca to me. She's so amazing. At every turn, every phrase is spot on intensity, precision, and direction. May we have that direction like Rebecca does. Right? She says, um, What do I need life for? And Isaac is going to call his son and, and uh, Yaakov, and he's going to send him uh, to, uh, he says, Arise, go to Patan Aram, to the house of Betuel, your mother's father, and take yourself from there a wife, from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And he gives him another blessing. And he says, And may the Almighty God bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and you shall become an assembly of peoples. This is a very famous verse. Let's read it together in Hebrew. Ve'el Shaddai, this is the God of fertility. Almost always this, this name is associated with fertility. Here's a classic verse. May the Almighty God bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. Ve'el Shaddai yevarechotcha, ve'yafrecha, ve'yarbecha, or by Rebecca, Vahita le Kahal Amin. And you should become an assembly of peoples. Vahitan le Chad Birkat Avraham, le Chal Zarecha Itcha, Itach, le Rishtacha et Erz Megurecha, Asher Natan Elohim le Avraham. And may he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your seed with you, that you may inherit the land of your sojourns, which God gave to Abraham. See here this verse is uh, directly a verse that shows the nature of Isaac, which is he's a channel between Abraham and Jacob. 
And that is his role. He really carries on the blessings of Abraham until this third generation, Jacob, comes on the scene and he ensures that he gets that blessing. Um, and so indeed, Isaac sent Jacob and he went to Padan Aram to Laban, the son of Betuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And Rashi here says, a very, there's a very famous Rashi here, where the verse says that Isaac sent Jacob to uh, Betuel, to Lavan, the son of Betuel, the brother of Rebekah, and it says the mother of Jacob and Esau. And Rashi says, very famously, I do not know what this teaches us, that, that, it, that says that she was the mother of Jacob and Esau. And the, the note here says, we already know the narrative that Rebekah was their mother. So, so Rashi says, famously, and I think there's like, uh, there's like uh, there's a recorded amount, maybe it's four times, where Rashi writes, I don't know what it's there to teach you. And, um, and when, when Rashi says that, you just want to be like, I know, I know, let me guess at it, Rabbi, let me guess. And here's my guess, which is, which is that, that Isaac is sending his beloved son Yaakov, the one who's supposed to carry on the family name, and he's sending him to find a wife over in this house and to have offspring with that wife. But that, that offspring could go great, could go not so great. We're all still risking it. Nothing here is, you know, for sure. And Rebecca, who comes from there, well, she's an amazing woman. But don't, th- but don't think that that's an assure that assures that the ch- the seed is going to be perfect. Uh, it, you know, she had both kinds of kids. She had she had Jacob and Esau, and that's where you're sending him now. You're sending him to a place where there's good, there's good family, good energy, but there's also like bad, bad characteristic traits, and and he's going to be exposed to that as well. You're sending your son. Not to just a good place, but also to a place of exposure. And Rebecca herself, who is this incredible woman, it's not guaranteed that her seed is going to be perfect at all. And the next part of the uh, of the Torah is a long lit list of uh, Esav and his descendants, and really the family tree and lineage of uh, of Edom, Esav, also known as Seir, or that's a place that's one of the, what's one of the family tribes. That emerges, uh, family tree uh, branches that emerges is, is Seir. Um, but the story of, and of of Jacob and Esau is far from over, and we're going to also see what happens next week as Jacob is on the way towards Haran. He hasn't really made it there yet, and we'll see what what adventures he gets finds upon the, the road. Folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. As I said before, uh, I'm on the road. I'm in beautiful Brooklyn right now. I want to dedicate the show to my good friends from North Carolina, uh, who uh, really were part of the Chaye Sarah experience, the uh, Life of Sarah tour portion, where 40,000 people came to the great city of Hebron to celebrate with us the first purchase of the Jewish people of the, in the land of Israel, and also to celebrate um, the forefathers and mothers, and also to celebrate the brave Jewish community that has been around for 3,500 years. And um, we're reading this incredible Torah together. I also want to thank the good folks at the Land of Israel Network. I want to thank Tabitha. I want to thank, thank Ben Bresky. I also want to thank Moshe Herman for helping me on the Yishai Fleischer end of uh, the uh, broadcasting networks that we're working on. And I want to thank you very much 
uh, for being with me. Uh, I've had some great adventures, but they're going to continue now with uh, Canada. I'm also catching a little bit of a cold, so I'm going to pray to Hashem that I get healed from it. And I want to pray for you that you get healed from anything that you that is ailing you. You should have refuah and atzlachag um, and I have more to tell you about uh, the difference between ZOA and, and, and One Israel Fund. And yesterday I got to see the great Eve Harrow and Mark, the great Mark Provisor and Caroline Glick and, and other people at the One Israel Fund dinner. And I, at the uh, ZOA dinner, I got to see Alan Dershowitz and Prime Minister Netanyahu spoke on video and uh, the Mark Levine, the show host. Um, I got to see some some strong Jews in the last few days fighting for Jewish rights, fighting against anti-Semitism. Sometimes I think they misunderstand what anti-Semitism actually is, but we'll talk about that at a different time. I also want to remind you that we have a great sponsor of the show, which is the True Blue Trelet String uh, that is in the fringe of our garments that reminds us of the heavens and, and of the waters, the depths of the waters, and it reminds us of the uh, throne of glory. I want to thank Hashem so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to be with you. And I'm going to conk out very soon. I want you to wish me a lot of luck. i got to get up tomorrow at about uh, 4.30, uh, which is in just very few hours. And Bezrat Hashem, uh, we will make it to Canada and continue to broadcast the message of a strong Israel, of, uh, of a God in this world who, who is kind and, and and graceful and and uh, and um, and giving and, and a channel for blessings and demanding us to walk in his path the path of truth morality and the Torah and I want to ask you to write me an email Yishai at the land of Israel Yishai at the land of Israel the show goes on friends the show goes on that's right if even if I have a little bit of a cold and even though there's somebody uh, sleeping in the, in the next room and even though I'm on the road. Uh, the, the Torah goes on, and you know what? It sustains us and gives us so much koach. So, you know what else gives me koach when you write me an email? So write me an email, yishaitalandofisrael.com, and and write hashtag refuash uh, lema uh, yishai. Get over your cold, yishai. Hashtag, uh, we heard it to the end. Hashtag, uh, I pray for your cold. Hashtag, uh, have a great time in Canada. And have a great time, even, having a great time in Canada is like, you know, it's... Uh, it's another end of this world. And wherever you are in this world, I want to send you lots of blessings. And lots of blessings that wherever you are, wherever you walk, just like Rabbi Nachman, we walk towards the land of Israel. God bless you folks wherever you are. And remember, we're living in a time of great revelation, of Shivat Zion, of you shall arise, Hashem. You have mercy on Zion because the time has arrived. The time that you promised us would, that you would ingather us and help us rebuild the, the, uh, the devastated cities in Jerusalem shall rise again. God bless you folks. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. Lots and lots and lots of love from Brooklyn on the way to Canada, all going towards the land of Israel. God bless you and Shalom. You know, there are people who like to do what they're told, and there are people who like to tell others what to do. And then there are people out there who are just wondering what exactly needs to be done. Which one are you? I'm Rob Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Listen to The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer on thelandofisrael.com.